the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, today we are going to finish our study in Hebrews. Let's look at our text for today. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 through 25. Please stand with me as we read our text. Starting with verse 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you, for they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. Keep praying for us, for we are convinced that we have a good conscience seeking to conduct ourselves honorably, that is, with moral courage and personal integrity in all things. And I urge all of you to pray earnestly so that I may be restored to you. Now the portion that is called the benediction. Now may the God of peace, the source of serenity and spiritual well-being, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood that sealed and ratified the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be, accomplishing in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I call you, brothers and sisters, listen patiently to this message of exhortation and encouragement, for I have written to you briefly. Notice that our brother Timothy has been released from prison If he comes soon, I will see you along with him. Give our greeting to all spiritual leaders and to all of the saints, God's people. Those Christians from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Beginning with verse 17, the context is concerning spiritual leaders and pastors, which the Amplified brings out. It's referencing pastors and elders. And the Greek word for leaders is hegeomai. And it means those who God has placed in authority over you, contextually, in the church. Submit, that is hupeoko, means to yield, to no longer resist, 
Submit to them. Submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare. It is their responsibility to be ever yielded and abandoned to the will of God for his people. To be attentive to the great shepherd in his desire to watch and care over your souls and your spiritual well-being. The word for watch is watch care in the Greek means to be sleepless, to keep awake, to watch. Now, the staying awake part comes rather natural to me since I only sleep four to six hours at night. But this is not talking about a physical vigilance. It's talking about a spiritual vigilance that is constantly seeking God's heart for this body and every attendee. Now, we don't make much ado here concerning church membership. And when you join a church, typically there is a big deal about it. But I'm wondering if we may be in error because when you join a church body, you are submitting to belong and to the care and discipleship and the love of that body. And that should never be an issue for the believer to enter into the pasture of God's designation. And that's what we do when we join a church. If that is a problem for you, you might want to examine your heart. Also, we are not looking for or requesting letters. If you're coming in obedience to the word of God in you as a child of God, you're welcome here. Now, the watching over the souls of men is watch care over the most vulnerable part of the believer. Our spirits are not vulnerable. They're sealed by the spirit of God. They're not going to be affected who you are as a child of God as a new creation the spirit of you that is in union with his spirit is not going to vary is not going to abandon or be influenced by ungodly influences any more than the spirit of God would be But you have a soul, the mind, will, and emotion, and that part of you is in constant touch. It's like the soles of your feet. It is in constant touch with this earth, with this world, with the flesh, and also the influences of the enemy. So if the enemy is going to gain any ground in your living, he'll gain it through your soul. He will approach you through either the mind, will, and emotions... He'll approach you through the external circumstances, through the body, through all of those things. And when he says that the shepherd or the pastor or the elder is to have watch care over your souls, he is simply extending to him what he does for us. And that is that he is constantly, vigilantly guarding your soul, constantly, vigilantly reminding you of who you are, what the truth is, and what your choices are. I liken it to parenting. I always said in parenting, the number one job of the parent was not to make decisions for the child, was not to just discipline the child, but to make sure that the child understood what the choices were. That is so important. Because as you just let the child go and you don't make clear to them the consequences of their decisions, you don't make clear to them the wisdom of making the right choice, then they will do what suits them, won't they? 
And in that they are governed by what? The flesh, by the enemy, by the world. And we have a lot of that going on, don't we? Here's the thing. Watching over men's souls, watch care over that part of the believer, is a supernatural work. It's a work of discernment. It is a work of discipleship. If the soul is not being disciplined in truth, it is being conformed to this world. Did you hear me? If the soul is not being discipled or disciplined in truth, it is being conformed to the world. There are no other options. There's no middle ground. You're either walking according to the spirit where you're being discipled in truth. He is the spirit of truth. Or you're being conformed by this world because you're living according to the flesh and your reality is the things of this world, the externals of this world, the feelings of the body, the perceptions of a carnal mind. That's your reality. Those who refuse to recognize their need for the watch care of the soul are embracing the enemy's lie. What you're reading here is the intention of God to disciple you and guard your souls through the church. As your pastor, my responsibility toward you is to watch over you, to pray for you, to disciple you in the word of God. You remember Hebrews 4.12 where he says, For the word, word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. A pastor's part of the pastor's responsibility is not to bring his perceptions, not to bring his limited understanding, not to bring his limited comprehension, but to be yielded to the Spirit of God, to literally bring forth the Word of God to the people of God, that their souls may be refreshed and renewed in truth. That is the responsibility. It's also to be discerning by the Spirit of God for those people who are in need. Those people who are literally being sucked into the world system. And again, as an authority in their lives, what you do is you simply make them aware of the choices that they are making. You can't make the choice for them. You can't do it. Paul and I were talking about this earlier. Nobody wants the job of the Spirit, because nobody but the Spirit can handle the job. And I tried. I tried. I was going to be Holy Spirit for my wife. No, that didn't work out. I tried being Holy Spirit for my children. That didn't work out either. And every time I sought to be Holy Spirit, I was a dismal failure. And I became aware of my own need, my own weakness. Judge not, lest ye be judged. You find that to be your constant reminder that you are not capable of discerning what to do and how to do it. The Spirit of God must do that. God, by his Spirit, is faithful to work in me the loving care, discernment, and instruction for you. This is not about me. 
Let it never be about me. I will never want that job. It is the Spirit's work. It is a position that God holds me accountable in. And I have godly people about me to support me and help me balance this ministry. In obedience to him, I want to be yielded to the true guardian of your souls. You have a guardian for your souls. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For you were continually wandering like so many sheep, but now you have come to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The author finishes verse 17 with this. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. And I must say, as I have been your pastor, I have to commend this little fellowship. I have never, ever experienced grief in being your pastor. You are the most loving and supporting people I have ever known. And respectful on top of that. I am very blessed to have you in my congregation. Let's look at verse 18. Keep praying for us, for we are convinced that we have a good conscience seeking to conduct ourselves honorably, that is, with moral courage and personal integrity in all things. And I urge all of you to pray earnestly so that I may be restored to you soon. Now, the author is asking them to continue in their prayers for him and others whom he doesn't name. And we're often very passive about prayer. For others, uh, and particularly prayer for others, unless we have been told of some pressing need. In fact, I know Christian men who don't pray for the wives. And I know Christian wives who don't pray for the husbands. The question is, how will you share in the Father's heart for your spouse, or for your children, or even for your church family? How will you share in the Father's heart for them if you don't intercede for them? If you don't pray for them. You see, you got it all wrong. You're partially right that praying is for the benefit of those you're praying for. That's true. But prayer is where you enter into communion with the God. The God of all comfort. The God who is in charge and sovereign over your life and the lives of those you're praying for. It's you entering into the intimacy that he literally made you for. In prayer, you literally embrace all that God has for you by submission, by faith. It is your blessing. Do you not think it would be blessing to come before the throne? Do you not think that it would be a blessing to know that he hears you? That he is listening to you? Do you not think that it would be a blessing to enter into agreement with the Father? That is what we do when we pray. It's not about the words. It's not about being articulate. It's about the heart that is completely yielded to hear and to speak all that God has put before you and in you. To intercede for the family is part of loving your family as God intended. To not do it is irresponsible and selfish. Now, I want to add to this author's call for prayer with my own. No, I am not sick, nor am I, at least not that I'm aware of, and I'm not suffering any personal crisis. But I ask for two reasons. First, to call you to obedience. 
because it tells you to pray for your pastor and your leaders, elders, in many places in the Word of God. It'll be a blessing to you as well as to me. Second, it is because your pastor needs your prayers. The enemy has an interest in tripping me, distracting me, attacking me and my family. It is a daily battle to renew my mind and to maintain a focus on truth. I'm reminded of that song, it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Well, I'm telling you, I am continually standing in the need of prayer. I, am, I too am convinced that I have a good conscience seeking to conduct myself honorably, that is, with moral courage and personal integrity in all things. I know that I'm not perfect, but this is my heart. Ephesians 6.18, Paul writes, With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. Well, there you have it right there. And it's just to pray for everything. And basically, the idea is this. It's not about a, I need to be disciplined about a specific time. It is more about a dynamic within you that you yield to. We pray consistently. And sometimes I pray just to tune in, to keep my mind in focus on him, to recognize his presence to orient my soul to truth. I'm not always praying because I have a burden for our petition that I want to present. I'm not waiting for one to pray. For, I'm, for I am convinced that every moment is an invitation to prayer. I am not yet in the heavenly reality of the presence of God, but I can by faith live in the truth of his presence. And prayer is one of those things, functions, that literally allow me the blessing of recognizing that I live in his presence. That he is with me. That he loves me. You know, the fact that he is listening to you, the fact that he is receiving what you're saying, tells you his love and acceptance of you. And if you're not praying, and you're not speaking with him, and you're not sharing your heart with him, then your soul is drifting. It is. It's drifting, and the enemy loves that. Because all it takes is a thought, an accusation, a circumstance. And your attention, your focus, your desire becomes all about dealing with that. It'll even change the tenor of your prayers because now you're no longer praying for him. You're praying at God for your circumstances. Wanting to be delivered from whatever you're in at the moment. That's not relationship. That's an economy. He hasn't called us to that. Prayer is the privilege that we should embrace. Every believer is dependent upon the Spirit's wisdom and empowerment. We must rely on the filling of the Spirit to balance our soul. Do you do that? Man, with all of the input we get from this world and all of the negative information that we may encounter anywhere, your soul needs an anchor. It needs balance. And guess what? You're not equipped to make that happen. 
The Spirit of God will do that. And he says, be ye filled, continually filled, constantly filled. Do you think maybe he knew we would have a need? That he knew the vulnerability of the soul? That he knew how unstable and feeble we are apart from him? I think so. To interact and commune with the Spirit through prayer and to abide in his word. That is what we're called to. It's a choice. It's a matter of obedience. To the degree you do not choose these things as your daily pursuit, you're in rebellion. Yeah, it's that extreme. It's you choosing to walk away from God. That's the very definition of rebellion. Prayer is a central part of our relationship with God and with others. George Mueller said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of God's willingness. I like that. Martin Luther said, none can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect, but those who have learned by experience. Prayer does not change the plan of God, but it allows us to offer to God our agreement with his will and to exercise our faith in his purposes. Verse 19. And I urge you all to pray earnestly so that I may be restored to you soon. And that word urge in the Greek means to admonish, to exhort, to beg. So you see the author's heart for them. He does not tell us anything more than this concerning his circumstance. But he is anxious not just to return, but to return to them. That is his heart for them. And I I love that. You don't hear him say, you know, I can't wait to get back to my favorite restaurant. I can't wait to get back to my warm home. I can't wait to get back to my soft bed. I can't wait to get back to my wife. I can't wait to see my children. You know, it's not like that they had a proliferation of letters that they were sending out and they had a postal service. When they wrote a letter, it was a work. It was a, a work. And this guy poured his heart into this work. But understand that it's the Spirit of God who's guiding his pen. And the Spirit of God is literally affecting how he sees himself and how he sees the people of God. And he says, I can't wait to get back to you. I hope to get back to you soon. He tells them that his heart is anxious for them. Now we come to the benediction, which is verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, the source of serenity and spiritual well-being, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood that sealed and ratified the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be, accomplishing in us what... That which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, may the God of peace. Notice that the, the address is specific. He is specific concerning the attribute of God. Now, they're not like us. We don't grab a, an, an attribute out of the air because we heard brother so-and-so use it earlier. We, they had specific call to the God according to the attribute which was most needful. So this writer calls to the God of peace. 
Because it is in this capacity that the Hebrews need to know their God. This is because the Hebrew Christians were enduring persecution. Many had lost their homes and their businesses. Some had lost their jobs. They faced rejection from their families and their friends. Their lives were in complete turmoil. They wanted to return to a sense of stability and balance. To the degree that we believe our stability and balance is in externals, we are deceived and living with the threat of losing those things. Did you hear what I said? To the degree that we believe that stability and balance is secured in externals, we are deceived and under the threat of losing those things. The author is calling to the God of peace, not to restore peace. He's not calling to God to restore peace. He's calling to the God of peace. Their hope for peace was never in the stability of their circumstances. Jesus had delivered them from a temporal life into an eternal life. Do you see yourself that way? John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.